Hey guys, what's up? Before we jump into today's episode, I have a quick message from our sponsor, Content Snare. Getting content out of your clients can be such a pain. Anyone who's done web dev or client websites knows what I'm talking about. You have to constantly chase them up with email after email and call after call. Then they'll send 20 different emails with loads of attachments and different documents in strange formats. Kid you not, you guys, I literally received website content uh, via Facebook Messenger once. So then you'll waste your time getting the content together in a format you can actually use. Uh, no thanks. (laughs) Content Snare fixes this by getting the content you need in the right format in one place and it does all the client chasing for you. Structure the content you need so your client can see exactly what's required. Then you can send it to the client and let Content Snare chase them up automatically. You can approve their content or ask for some changes and voila, you're done. Now you're ready to download everything you need to build the website. Don't let client content headaches get in the way of doing what you do best. Try Content Snare today. All right, guys, and Content Snare has hooked you up with a 50% off the first two months of your account. Use coupon code WPCHICK. That's all caps, W-P-C-H-I-C-K. And on that note, let's jump into the episode. So you're using WordPress and you have your business online. The next question is, now what? With so much to do and so little time, it's hard to figure out where you should put your energy. WordPress might be the foundation for your website, but it's what you do with your business that counts. In this podcast, we'll talk about building and running an online business, but you have to be willing to do the work and just show up. My name is Kim Doyle, aka the WordPress Chick, and this is the WordPress Chick Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress chick, and I'm super excited today. I have a friend from, I was going to say across the pond. You're not really across the pond, though. You're again way over in Australia. It's a big pond. It's a big (laughs) pond, yeah. Um, My my guest today is Jürgen Strauss from Enovavis. Jürgen, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Kim. It's a pleasure to be on the WordPress Chick podcast. I've been a listener for a long time, so it's great to be a guest. I'm so excited after, you know, we, gosh, I was thinking about it. So we connected a few years ago through Troy Dean, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah Mr. Connector. Um, yeah. And before, you know, I've got a bunch of questions for you and and we've been talking about stuff and I love, uh, <laughs> what was I, I was, I was looking at a way to phrase, you know, your wizardry and brilliance behind systems and processes, but I couldn't come up with something super clever. So bear with me. Um, <laughs> But you've, you've got a really interesting background. So could you share a little bit of your background um, before we get into your business today? Sure. So um, when I was young, I studied chemistry. I sort of liked to make smoke bombs and things in my dad's <laughs> garage, much much to his displeasure. Um, and then I decided I'd channel that into something useful and studied chemistry at school. Ended up... Um, getting a job in the photographic industry, which was great because I'm a keen photographer, and then went from there into the specialty chemical industry. And over the course of about the next 27 years, I you know, went through all the different career paths, kind of stuff that you do, um, off the bench very quickly, into managing people very quickly, into business management, marketing, um, supply chain, all those kind of things. And very quickly um, 
because being a scientist, I was always very systematic. So I started documenting things from a very early stage, partly because I couldn't remember stuff. So it was <laughs> helpful, helpful for myself to go back and how did I do that before? So, okay, that's how I did that. Um, and also when I started managing people, so very quickly, one of the roles I was in, I, um, had a remote team in a whole range of different countries. So from Japan through China, India, um, Singapore, Malaysia, New Zealand, Australia, and, and I was based in Australia. So I needed to figure out ways to communicate and manage that team effectively. And systems and processes were definitely a big part of that. And so I did that for a long time, then ended up managing teams in North America and Europe as well and bringing teams together. And at some point um, got to a stage where I stopped enjoying what I was doing and it took me a little while to draw the consequences of that, but eventually I exited the corporate world and started up something for myself, which was an overbit. That was about 10 years ago now. Holy moly, there's a whole bunch in there. And of course, you've probably heard, like, I kept thinking of all these breaking bad jokes about chemistry and business, <laughs> <laughs> which I have to say, it's like, great show, love the actor. But I'm like, after about three seasons, I was like, this is getting really dark. Um, <laughs> but wow, that's it. I had no idea with the, the science background, which totally makes sense. And you know, one thing I was thinking, as as you were talking about the, the documenting for yourself is, you know, I find that a lot of people make it they make a big issue about documentation and, and processes um, and even content. And it's, it's really just documenting what you're doing. It's, it's not, I mean, at the fundamental level, I'm not saying it simplistically, but yeah. right at the fundamental level, it's really just kind of tracking what you're doing. <laughs> it is. It's information. Yeah. I, I remember as a very young child playing with, um, uh, what do you call them? The, you know, the little cards, the, um, this is dating me a little bit. It's way before computers and everything. But I, so I used to have all these cards, and when other kids were playing with toys and things, I used to put these cards in order and catalog things and so on. And at some point, I thought I should be a librarian because that's how they catalog the books <laughs> yeah. in the library. Um, but then I discovered that the cards are actually really useful for learning stuff. So I started using them for study and I started using, you know, as I did my degree, I started using them for writing reports and thesis and, and so on. So that kind of, you know, reflecting back on that, that was in a way the start of all my process thinking and systems thinking. Just as a side note, do you ever, do you ever, or do you still use the card system at all? I mean, I, I've jumped around from different tools and sometimes for me, the iteration of a process, it helps to just physically write it down. Yeah. Um, I don't use cards anymore, but I've recently moved my office and put up a whole bunch of whiteboards on the wall there. And I find that just scribbling stuff out on the whiteboard, whiteboard, uh, I kind of, flowchart things or mind map things on a whiteboard that really helps me and then I take a photograph of that so I'm very much um, trying to keep things in the digital realm uh, but freehand drawing a mind map or a flowchart on the whiteboard is actually really helpful. Have you heard side note and I don't have an affiliate link or anything for this but have you heard a rocket book? <laughs> no I haven't. 
So Rocketbook, I did it. It was a it was a Kickstarter, and I just got it, and I'm still kind of playing with it. You have to use a specific type of pen, but what you can do is it's got a QR code on the bottom of the page, and then you can sync it to like Evernote, to Dropbox, to Google Drive. There's a Slack. There's a few different things I think you can sync it to, and then you you take a photo like it has to, and it pulls it in, not like it's a picture, but like you scanned in a document um, and it'll send it to oh, these. Okay. It, it's crazy. And then it's reusable. You microwave the book to erase the pages. <laughs> mm, <that's> so, interesting. <laughs> it, it really is. It really is. And I, I have to tell you, I think I was a little bit more excited about it than, than when I actually got it, but take a look. It's just one of those. Cause I, I get it. Like I try not to do too much, but sometimes when I need to get out of my head, it just helps to write it. Um, so okay, so in in uh, Biz, where so leaving corporate and science, and I know you had you know this marketing and, and management background. So when you launched it, was it a, a web dev agency at the time? Uh, no, actually, it wasn't. That's a, an interesting story because I I thought well, with my systems background and with my marketing background, that um, marketing was definitely a gap for small businesses, and I thought well. I'll, go to small businesses and help them with marketing and help them systemize their marketing. And I thought I had a pretty neat package and I started talking to people. Now, one of the things that I didn't do in the corporate world was sales. So I quickly learned that sales was an area that I needed a lot of improvement in. I wasn't very good at it. And as a result of that, and then, of course, on top of that, when I started, the global financial crisis hit and a lot of people were looking inward and saving money on things like marketing. Um, so I found it very difficult to get a lot of business. What I did find, though, was that in those days, many small businesses didn't have websites and they would come, they would often say to me, but we need a website. Can you do a website? And the first few times I just let that one fly over the top of my head because I hadn't considered doing websites. And the third time I heard that within the space of about two weeks, I thought, hang on, there's a, somebody's <laughs> ringing a bell here. And I said, oh, yes, I can do a website because I had back in 97 in the in my corporate job, I had been involved in a pretty big um, global website build project and I was involved in developing the strategy for it and everything. Um, but, of course, we had an IT department, we had programmers, we had PR people and so on. So all of the um, technology stuff at the back end, all of the marketing and launch around that was done by other people in the team. So I uh, responded to the third time I'd heard that. I said, yes, I can do a website. I'll do a website for you. So I knew how to build the strategy for the website. I knew how to get started. And then I just went away and figured out all the technology in the back end and very quickly discovered WordPress and thought, wow, this is pretty neat. I can do this. And I think I might have even discovered your posts and the WP chick very early on in that journey. <laughs> I'm sorry. Back then it was, well, I shouldn't say <laughs> Well, it, it, it's always one of those like, you know. Ignorance is bliss, I guess, when you're just doing something you love and having fun with it. But um, so, okay, yeah. so with with your business at that point, just in hearing this sort of this path and this trajectory, did you have a team? Was it you? I mean, because to be able to say, yes, I can build a website. And, and I think a lot of people are like, and then you just went and said, I can figure this out. That's not that's not common. Um, mm. But, you know, did you bring in anybody to work with you on this? 
Well, no, I didn't, not at the beginning. So what I did was figure it all out and um, build the first probably half dozen websites myself. Now, you know, I don't sort of be ashamed to show you those first few, but <laughs> at the time, the uh, customers were actually very happy. So I was quite happy. And I, you know, cobbled together. I mean, this was 10 years ago. So WordPress, I don't know, it was 2.8 or 2.7. <laughs> I version. remember those so dashboards, yeah. It, yeah, so it was kind of a cobbled together system. I did a lot of research on the internet. Um, Google was my friend, still is. And cobbled together essentially a content management system. If I look back on that now, I think that was one of the cleverest decisions I, I've ever made. But, you know, obviously it was kind of just serendipitous at the time. Um, and then at some point, probably six months down the track, it was interesting because I'd broken my pelvis on a fall on the bicycle. So then I, in my recovery phase, I, um, I struggled to get out and about. So I was doing a lot of stuff by phone and, and the business suffered a little bit as a result. And also what I did to um, gain strength back was I went out for walks and I would listen to podcasts on, on my iPod at the time. And one of the podcasts I came across was um, a guy talking about outsourcing to the Philippines. And because I worked in the Philippines quite a bit. I had really good customers in the Philippines, still have good relationships with, with a lot of the folks there. Um, what he was saying about the characteristics that make outsourcing to the Philippines work really resonated with me. And I thought, yep, that makes a lot of sense. So I then decided I, you know, with my situation, I really needed somebody to help me. And, and so this was a good way to do it at as kind of a low cost entry uh, rather than, you know, employing somebody local where I didn't really have the cash flow to do that. Um, so I went online, found two really great people and got started with them. And then we, um, from there. And so at, at some point I got to about five, five in the team. Um, and then since then I've transitioned now to, actually building some strategic partnerships. So having other people or other businesses actually help with particular areas and they've got a team and then I've got my own team. Nice. And, and they're all remote. So, which I'm a huge fan of the remote. Um, and let me ask you this. So at this point, you know, I like with your website, it's, it's, you got, you know, I like your tagline, making websites achieve more. And do you have, so had you shifted to saying, putting sort of the web agency first as opposed to because really you're doing a lot of marketing and consulting and strategy with people initially right yeah that's right so so it kind of transitioned to putting the website uh development work as as the front if you like um and that that changed the way i was speaking with people. So I would talk to people about building websites, but then immediately go on to, but we do websites differently. Our approach is strategic. We determine what the website needs to do. Website's a business tool. So we figure out how it's going to best contribute to your business. And then we develop a whole strategy around that. We develop uh, measuring systems around that so that we know whether it's working or not. And that's how we build the website as opposed to somebody that might be coming from 
a design background or a design philosophy that says, well, what do you want it to look like? So it was the websites as kind of the key that unlocked the door, but still looking at the whole philosophy of the marketing tool and then looking at business systems was kind of the add-on later on. Well, and it's funny because I remember um, talking with a a former coaching client and she wanted to do – it's interesting that the perception – and I could be totally wrong on this. I've not done local sites in a long time. But um, the perception of the cost of a website versus the perception of marketing and consulting. And so – you know, she had looked at positioning at that, look, we'll do the website for free, and but you have to hire us for the consulting and the strategy piece of it based on feedback. And so did you find by 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 adding on that piece of it that you were able to, you know, maybe increase the package price or retainers or, you know, what did that do for your business? Yeah, definitely. It, it, it appealed to us, the right audience, I think, you know, an audience that was a match for what we were offering. Um, what we started doing quite a lot was putting together retainer packages, so saying, okay, instead of paying a, a once-off fee for developing a website and then we hand it over once it's done and, and wish you well, um, we say, well, we're actually in this together to build and grow your business. And so, you know, you pay a deposit to get us started on the website build and then there's a monthly fee which covers in the first 12 months essentially covers the entire building of the system around that. So that might be website, that might be um, an automated response, marketing responder at the back end of that. It might be a whole lot of other stuff. And then after that, we then work on, you know, whether it's a content strategy or whether it's an email strategy or whether it's videos or other information that we put back in there. Okay, good. We're going to circle back to systems because I've got a bunch of questions for you on that. But wanted to ask uh, and have you share a little bit. So you also have the Innova Buzz podcast. Um, so can you share a little bit about your podcast when you started it and what that's done for your business? Okay, so the podcast is is um, called Innova Buzz, as you say, and it's the audience are innovative entrepreneurs that are leaders in their field, and the idea is the idea was around innovation and helping those people be more innovative. Um, it's morphed a little bit in um, in direction so that now I've, um, in fact, this morning I interviewed uh, Lolly Daskal, who's an author, so that'll be published soon. That was quite a, a fascinating interview. So a lot of um, a lot of authors in the realm of you know business or business improvement or marketing. Um, we've had on, um, we actually had Michael E. Gerber on back in November, which was an absolute privilege and it was a fantastic interview. And what it's done for my business, I guess it's opened doors <clears throat> because, you know, getting the opportunity to speak to people like Michael E. Gerber or um, we've spoken, well, we've had you on the podcast, um, we've spoken with um uh, Dory Clark, who's a, a you know featured author on Inc. and Forbes, and we've had um, Marcus Sheridan and people like that on the podcast, and so it's opened doors and it's given me introductions to a whole range of people that I've either followed online or admired uh, or both, and also 
you know, people listen to it and and get value out of it, which is important to me. Um, and I have actually gotten some business as a result of the podcast, not from the podcast itself, but people have kind of liked what I've done in the podcast and thought, well, you know, I can help them. Yeah, I, you know, I, as you're saying all that, um, <clears throat> I was thinking too, like the relationship piece that comes from it is it's almost, um, I, I'm, what's the word I'm looking for? Not immeasurable, intangible, but it just, it, it probably trumps anything. It, it's one, it's a ton of fun. And, you know, like to, to say that, like when you're talking about Michael E. Gerber, sometimes you ever feel like, <laughs> Wow, I get to like pick. I get an hour of this person's time. Like, this is I, right. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I go back and listen to that one with Michael E. Gerber. I should go back and listen to more of them, but I listened to that one because at the time I thought, man, this is like a one-hour masterclass with Michael E. Gerber. I mean, you can't pay for that, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> and, what I and mean. I've yeah. Just had that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and actually, this morning's interview was was really good too, and I. You know, 99% of the time I have a ball on these interviews. And like you say, it's it's like having an hour's masterclass when I go, usually I aim for 45 minutes, but often we end up going an hour. So, Yeah, and, and you're creating content for your website. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. That's, that's the other thing about it. So I'm creating content. Well, I have content for my website, but somebody else is actually creating it. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, did you notice? Um, I I noticed with the podcast, you know, iTunes became one of my top traffic sources pretty quickly when I launched. And have you noticed the traffic coming from from the different podcast sources? Uh, yeah, not uh, probably hasn't become the biggest one, but it is there. It is in the list. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, so in terms of the relationships, anything fun that's come out of that, that has, you know, like whether it's a project or um, a partnership or anything, and again, not that it has to, but um, I, I do think that people sometimes overlook, it's, it's sort of those intangible benefits that you can't really even quantify initially. Mm. Yeah, one of the things that's come out recently, and this brings up another point that I'll make in a moment, um, is I had the... Um, founders of Paperform on there a little while ago. So it's a young couple that based in Sydney um, who are developing this form software, uh, software as a service, and it's actually awesome. So I'll give them a plug here. Um, but it was interesting to hear their story. So it's a startup, um, and to hear their story and their philosophy around that. So I've, you know, their philosophy is around, you know, giving people what they need and serving a need and really understanding their customers and making sure that they listen to their customers. And they do live that. I've experienced that because I'm a customer. So I've, I've now got um, an agency account with them and I'm a, an affiliate with them and I do promote them because and they've just launched some awesome features on that service. So it is uh, really good. So that's that's one thing that's come out of that. What I've found is because I like to look at shiny new toys, as you do. Um, <laughs> so I kind of get attracted to these things all the time. And what I've found is if you um, take the time to give some constructive feedback to these startups, and what I've done is I've started taking videos and showing people. I say, hey, I'm doing this. Here's what happens. Here's what I find. And, you know, it might be, hey, it broke here or this didn't work, or it might be I find this 
really cumbersome from a user experience. So it might be things like that um, or what's missing. And I find that generally gets a response. People will come back and actually engage with you there. And I've had lots of discussions and I've been sort of active communication with a lot of these um, service providers around some of those tools. So that that's kind of related to the podcast, but a little bit of a tangent, if you like. No, well, I, I think it's awesome because it's it's one of those things, too, that one, becoming a partner for them, um, uh, with them, I mean, and, you know, it's 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 one of those things you just can't, again, I, I think it's the intangible that comes from the relationships, um, but, but also seeing, I mean, that tip alone, like, <laughs> I was joking around about doing, um, you know, I've only done a couple live streams, and I thought, I'm going to start wearing some, like, swag t-shirts like co-schedule and you know i've got kajabi hero Mm. and all these t-shirts and it's because when i there some of these companies have sent me stuff for free because when i become obsessed with the tool like i talk about it and i share it a lot and so the value in that relationship connection and to your point of letting the developers know well this didn't work very well i did that when i uh got on board with liquid web with the new managed wordpress hosting i'm like you know this isn't in the menu or you know which it's a great platform but same thing and it, it solidifies the relationship. So whether or not somebody has a podcast, there's a way to develop these relate the relationships in a whole other, you know, uh, realm almost. That's right. Also, and also it kind of signals back to me uh, because I value products where I know I'm going to get good service. I know I'm going to be looked after as a customer. So if, you know, if I take the time to give that feedback and I get a response that's not defensive, but it's thank you for your feedback and hey, we're, we're adding some, you know, often people come back and say, hey, we're adding some new features. Would you like to um, test a beta version and so on? So when I get that sort of response, I know that, you know, they're customer focused and they're interested in the feedback. They're not defensive. And I expect that that's the experience I'm going to have ongoing with their product. So, you know, that's another good way to find out who's a customer focused organization or not. Yeah, that's a really good point. It is interesting to see where you even submitting a support or a request. There's a, um, and I won't give a name or anything, but there's a uh, an app out there that a friend of mine had signed up and got on a waiting list for, and it's not open to the public and stuff. And I'm floored again because I look at you know all my tools and stuff, and and I reference CoSchedule a lot because of the way they constantly are talking to people and providing training and, and they're getting big and all that. But, you know, there are so many resources and they're, they're always talking to their audience and their customers. And, you know, so to see a company that you maybe don't hear from, or it's like, what's the status of this tool that I paid for? And I don't have access. So it's, it's interesting to see how some companies do that really well and some don't. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And, and the fascinating thing is the ones that, um, do it really well, end up being successful, um, you know, even with tools that may not be ah, perfect. Well, and that's, that yeah, you, well, no, but Whatever that's the that point. Means. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. Sorry, <laughs> I got a little excited, but that's just it. It's mm. like when they're responsive, you're much more patient as a customer to say, okay, they're working on this. And it's simple. It's that transparency thing that comes into play with everything. Yeah, that's right. That's a good word. Um, so let's let's circle back a little bit to the the processes and systems. And this is one of the reasons, one of many that I wanted to have you on the show, because you just have this really dialed. And, you know, last time we were uh, talking sort of offline, um, 
you were discussing, you know, how you've really sort of nailed this and whatever direction you want to take this, please, Jurgen. But I know you are great about go- like setting up teams in the Philippines or, or helping people to navigate that process. Um, you know, so, you know, can you share a little bit, maybe like even the fundamentals of, of systems and processes for you, and then we'll kind of branch off of that. Okay. So, um, I mean, a lot of people write systems and processes of some sort, um, and maybe they've just got them in their head or documented. But one of the big things, and, and you know, you mentioned teams, when you've got somebody else that you want to delegate a certain task or process to, then you need to make sure that they not only understand how to do it, they understand why they're doing it. And they understand what the consequences are of them doing it this particular way or doing it at all or not doing it. Um, and they also have the opportunity to contribute to that <clears throat> to that process. So in other words, um, if I do something one way, that doesn't mean it's the right way to do it. Um, and if somebody else does it different, that doesn't mean their way is the right way. But by improving something all the time and making it more efficient and more effective um, and having the people doing it contribute to that process is, is really important and actually is much more effective. So what I typically do is I start off um, the first go around, I will do something and do a screencast video of myself doing it. And I'll then give it to somebody else who might end up being the person doing the process on an ongoing basis. And I'll say, can you have a look through this? Can you see if it makes sense? And we might do that live. So if it's a bigger thing, we usually do it live um, and then record that. And then we'll write a documentation to go with that. And the documentation goes through a pretty simple framework that is um, based on why. Why are we doing that? What is it? What exactly? Then how, which actually outlines the steps involved. Um, and then what if? So how do you know it's finished? Um, what if you don't? What if you skip one step and so on? So it's it's it addresses all of those needs. And that that comes from, you know, communication preferences that people have. So different people have different communication preferences based on those four questions. And so by addressing them all, you're actually maximizing the chance of communicating the process well. We do that and then we break it down into um, a an executive summary, I call it. So that might just be a bullet point list. So, for example, if somebody's doing, let's take our newsletter, for example. So our newsletter process, um, the person pulling together in the newsletter and publishing it each week is an expert in doing that. So they don't need to read through the entire process. They don't need to watch the video. They don't need to even look at the screenshots. But what they do need is a little checklist to make sure that they've done all the steps. Um, So we have the executive summary, which is essentially a checklist that they can tick off. And so they do that. So, for example, in in the podcast, we've got a pretty extensive documentation on publishing the podcast. And I just use the checklist to make sure I've done all my steps. And that checklist can be broken down into stages and handed off if there's multiple people doing um, doing the work, like the podcast. There's a bunch of us doing different things. So, um, so really quick, <clears throat> it sounds so you have 
and please correct me if I'm wrong. So you have a really, uh, like, it sounds like a solid framework for the process, for whatever you guys are creating, whether it's for a podcast, a client project, some onboarding, whatever it is. So you have like a fundamental framework for creating your processes and, and systems. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So with that, so one of the things that I'm imagining, I'm hearing people say, hey, you know, a lot of people find it, it's this catch 22, right? Where you need the systems and processes in place to hire people at the same time, they don't have the time to do it. And so, you know, what's the best way to, you know, if, if somebody said, look, I know that I need to get, you know, some, I've got to offload some of this work, they've, and we're going to just assume that they're in a position to hire some help. And we'll talk about that. But you know, where, where do you start with, if you don't have any systems or processes in place? Well, I would start with videoing the things that you do because that doesn't really cost any additional time. So you're doing it anyway. So all you have to do is turn on the screen recorder video and talk um, and just collect those things for the key processes and the key things that you're doing. And then once you hire somebody, you can get that transcribed. You can get them to start doing it following that video. You can get them to highlight what, you know, what gaps might there be in terms of you making a, a jump in a, a mental assumption and jumping through a few steps without um, explaining it. And then you can get a document, uh, get, get them to document it and then have, you know, a review, a review process after that. One other thing I heard, which I haven't done this myself, but I, I thought it was a neat idea, was um, spend a little bit of money on, say, a, a university student or a young person that might still be at school but you know has a bit of intelligence to just track track you around and make notes about what you're doing, <laughs> and start to use that as a as a um, systems manual, which I thought that that's a neat idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. Well, my daughter's in college and does some, you know, podcast editing and show notes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And she's with with some clients and stuff too. And but college students are a great resource in general. But I love that idea. Um, although she might be really bored following me around, <laughs> I'll leave that out. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let me ask you this now. Obviously, you've got clients you work with, and then in this space, because I know. Um, you do some mastermind things and, you know, you've got some collaborations going. Are you also working with businesses who want to, you know, systematize this or get into outsourcing or start building a team? Yeah, definitely. So what one of the things we're doing is helping businesses who are in a growth phase and at that point where they need to uh, build a team but don't necessarily have the resources or the financial clout to hire somebody locally, which is much more expensive than having them in a you know country where the cost of living is lower. So we help them get started from a point of view of you know what do you need to have in place in terms of systems, structure, and tools, um, and what sort of environment do you have to create before you even start this process because the culture and the um, organizational culture and the team culture that you're going to build is really critical and it's important to have that sort of ready to go before you hire people because it's hard to fix it if it's broken. Um, and then we also 
show them the options that they have for hiring people, let's say in the Philippines, because there's a number of different models. So, you know, you could do something like go on to, um, oh, I've forgotten the name, the, the online services where you hire people by project. Oh, like Upwork um, or, or? Upwork, yeah. that's it. That's the one I'm thinking of. So Upwork and there's a, there's a bunch of those ones there. So you can hire people by project, you know, for a particular task. And that's a little bit hit, hit and miss. And, and also it's short term, so you don't necessarily build a relationship and the person is not necessarily part of your team. Having said that, though, I've got, you know, I've heard some really good stories where people discover someone that that is particularly good at something that they then need on an ongoing basis and they do build a relationship there. Um, And then, of course, you've got the model where you go on to jobs boards and hire people that work from home, which um, is quite cost-effective but has a lot of risks still involved with it. And then you can go and um, engage agencies that will either provide time so they have a team and you essentially buy time from that team or they will actually um, employ somebody that is your dedicated team member so there's kind of a a range of different models and i've tried most of them so i i know what works well for me and what the risks are with the ones that don't work as well for me so i can help people kind of navigate through that what are what are thank you for sharing all of that what are some of the things that you see people you know that are apprehensive um, about in terms of stepping into outsourcing, you know, and I mean, a lot of people, you know, I'll hire locally and stuff. And when you're getting started, it's not necessarily feasible. And I always looked at it that, you know, my ability to hire a developer designer overseas afforded me the ability to have a project manager, a stay at home mom in the state. So it's like to be able to, it, it was a, you know, you got to give somewhere. Um, but I know a lot of people, are they've either been burned or they're they're apprehensive about it they feel like they're going to lose money you know you know what are some how do you offset that you know what are some of the things you see Mm. people afraid of well there's a few things that i think people are afraid of i mean first of all there's what you mentioned there that that there's this feeling of i'm giving away a local job if i employ somebody in another country and you know, I counter that with, well, can you afford to employ somebody locally? And generally the answer is no. So when are you going to grow so that you can employ somebody locally? And the answer is, you know, once you've reached a certain scale in terms of revenue. Now, how are you going to get to that scale of revenue if it's just you? So, you know, you've got to take an intermediate step. And it's exactly what, you know, like the example you mentioned, where if you have developers offshore, then you know, you can afford to then bring on a different um, a different uh, team member locally, perhaps. And, you know, as you grow, your capacity to employ locally is increased. So that's kind of my counter to that one. The other one is, um, you know, people are perhaps apprehensive about the idea of employing in a country where they might think that, the employees are being uh, taken advantage of. So, you know, they, they, ha- they have a measure in place that a developer in Australia costs this much, I don't know, 100,000 
dollars per annum or whatever they earn. It might not be quite that much, but um, if I can get one in the Philippines for thirty thousand dollars per annum, then I must be taking advantage of that person. So they don't realise that the cost of living there is such that that salary is still a really good salary there, and that affords that person the ability to um, you know have a nice apartment, have a good car, and so on. So they have this perception that maybe they're taking advantage of people and that they're working in kind of a sweatshop environment if, if they're in an office, um, which happens. So, you know, it's not that that um, – I'm not saying that doesn't happen. It does. And we've seen examples of where people are working in that kind of environment, and that's what leads to perhaps a bad rap for those that are actually really good and really professional organisations. So they're probably a couple of things. And then the third one, I think, is, um, you know, how do you manage a remote team that you actually don't see every day? Um, You know, how do you keep them on track? How do you keep them motivated? How do you um, build a relationship with them? And a lot of people, and I guess this is true of managers everywhere, (laughs) they delegate and they abdicate, delegate by abdication, I guess you can say, rather than um, by engagement. Expand on that. Can you expand on that a little bit? Okay, so I, if I have a task that I want one of my team to do, I can say to them, take care of that and then not take any interest in it later on other than to check, is it finished? So that's almost delegating by abdication. Now, I, I know I can do that with certain tasks and with certain team members, but I'm still at a point, you know, because there's processes and systems in place. But first of all, I usually start with here's why we're doing this. Here's where it fits into the bigger picture. um, And here's how, you know, why you're the best person to contribute this particular task. And then actually check in, if it's a longer term thing, check in regularly and say, you know, is there, do you need help with anything? Can I help you with something there to move this forward or how's that going and also take a look and give feedback as they're working on it which is kind of why i got out of the web development space (laughs) Uh, well you know it's it's tough it's like if you want to be a creator you don't want to be a manager necessarily you know and so it's it's knowing that um about yourself and one of the things I, uh, if you could share a little bit about, you know, we, when we had talked last, you were talking about, you know, going out of the Philippines and, you know, where there, there's office space and connecting with people and making sure that, you know, so you there, and I'm not saying you're jumping over to the Philippines all the time to set up teams or anything, but that's a whole, you have that insight to bring to the table as well, as opposed to just doing it all remotely. That's right. Yeah. So last year, um, I decided it was time to go over and actually meet the team I had in place and also we needed to add to the team and and I was looking to transition the model from work at home uh, staff to actually have proper office facilities where we could rely on the power being on and backed up if if you know there was uh, power outages um, we could rely on internet and so on um, so I went over to Manila and spent a week in Manila and I took a couple of um, other business owners with me and in particular one of those business owners did have this perception of um, you know you're exploiting people in in a third world country and and she had a bit of a negative 
um, expectation of that, but still came along to explore it. Now, she was totally transformed and blown away by what she saw. In fact, I had both of them involved in the hiring of my uh, new staff member at that time. Um, and she made the comment that I don't think I could get a job here um, because of the interview process that we went through and the calibre of the candidates that we interviewed <laughs> for that position. That's pretty and, funny. And we, yeah, and we went to four different uh, businesses that provided you know, office space and and helped you with hiring staff and helped you with getting them set up and did all the IT support, uh, you know, the handled all the payments and all the um, legal requirements that, you know, an employer has in the Philippines, which I don't know about. So that that's a really useful value add. Um, and we saw four different um, organizations and two of them were absolutely awesome. Um, one of them is where my staff member is right now. Um, one of them was okay, and one of them was a bit of a sweatshop. Wow. Um, so it was good to see the contrast and know that, you know, the perception that, hey, you're taking advantage of people does have some basis, um, but there's, you know, there's some really good organisations there that take care of their people and at the same time take care of the business who's their customer. That's, so, that's... yeah, so... We, Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking that I, I want to do that a lot more, give people the opportunity. So I'll be travelling there probably once or twice a year to meet with my team. Um, and also, you know, there's an opportunity to help uh, those good organisations because some of the things... There's some gaps in what they do in terms of onboarding and helping their clients work with the outsourced staff. So they kind of, once they've done all the support, they kind of leave you to it and assume that you know how to manage remote staff, which is something that I think I can add some value. So I'm looking at opportunities to work with them on that. Um, but also, you know, I think it's important to have face-to-face -face time with my own team. And then also give the opportunity to some other business owners who might want to come along and see how it all works. God, that's huge. It's you. I mean, you can do a whole mastermind around that <laughs> as well. And mm. um, it's, it's a little bit closer for you than for <laughs> me, but um, it's, you know, it's one of those things too, that I think the beauty of doing that, you know, I have people that I've worked with for, you know, four or five years and um, you, you just, it's, I guess, from my perspective, you know, it, we are in a global economy. And the more you start connecting and reaching out, you realize, you know, it's just, it's, it's not that, I mean, it's a big world, but yet it's not. I mean, you can do business with people all over the world. I mean, we're having this conversation. I'm in California, you're in Australia. Um, but they become, right, yeah. you know, they're, they're dear people that I come to care about. And it has nothing to do, you know, you want the best for your team as well as for yourself. And it's, um, you know, I've, I've been through some stuff with some of my team members and it's just, um, meaning, you know, marriage, babies, like tough things too. And, and so it's not, um, I don't know. I think a lot of people get this. They, they're afraid that jobs are being outsourced and whatnot. And it's, it's just, I think it's a natural, um, it's, 
innovation's not the right word, no pun intended. Um, but it's, mm. it's a natural progression of where we're going. And, you know, on the flip side yeah, of that, is. right. And the flip side of that, the more successful your business is where you live, the more you can contribute locally, not just hiring, but you can then afford to do business with other local businesses. You can afford to spend more money locally or whatever, you know, whatever that looks like for you. So you succeeding, um, regardless of whether it's outsourcing or not is still contributing you know, to where you live, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there's no, there's no value to um, you not being successful or restricting your growth of your business to um, what you can contribute to the local community or the local economy. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. And the idea, I don't, <laughs> it's like one of these days I will get, she's, I've got a designer in Indonesia and some developers in Vietnam and I'm like, I want to go to both places, but um, mm. so what are, so maybe, and, and I don't know, um, how many web dev agencies are in that space, you know, is there a common, um, challenge you see when people want to start stepping into outsourcing or a common mistake they make? Um, probably, um, thinking that, you know, if you set up tools and systems that, that takes care of everything. So, you know, the important thing to get started is working on your own environment and what environment are other people going to come in. Now, that's, I think that's important regardless of whether you're going to outsource business or whether you're hiring locally. So what environment are they going to come in? When they come in, you know, are they a cultural fit? And do you know what the culture is? Will they know what the organisational culture is? And what kind of team culture are you building? So I think they're the things that um, are critical to any business when you start building a team. But for a business that has a remote team, that presents a lot more challenges to get those things right. And, and you know, you need to be a little bit creative in building that. And I remember back in the corporate world having one kind of really big breakthrough meeting where we actually got together with um, about 30 people based, you know, they were based from Japan, China, Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, India, um, New Zealand, Australia, and we all got together in, in one room and addressed some issues. And I remember a big breakthrough moment that for me highlighted that, you know, it's all about communication and culture and understanding what the culture of the organisation is and bringing together uh, such a diverse group with, you know, a diverse cultural background, but all of them with something unique and exceptional to contribute. I love that. It, it's <laughs> especially, and I, not to bring it up, but I mean, I, I think, you know, the day after, um, sadly, the, the bombing in Manchester, and it's just, it's, it is a global economy now. And, it's it's such a blessing and and uh, I don't know just the the understanding of other cultures and how it all can fit together. It's it's vital I think in moving forward today. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that's very sad. What's happening in Manchester and of course there's uh, unfortunately a lot of um, sad events like that happening in our time. But as you say, understanding different cultures and and understanding what you know people's contributions can be to the planet while they're here um, is a way I think we can 
move in a positive direction from things like that. Yeah, not to be a downer or to bring up a sad thing, and but it's just you know I think f- from that you know tragedy, it's it's to see all of these other countries express you know you know um, highlighting buildings with the the Manchester flag, and it's just you start seeing that it's we all are connected. And I got a little woo woo there on you, sorry, mm. Jurgen, but I I, I think yeah, that yeah. it's it's neat to see it actually brings a lot of people together so out of those sad things but um yeah it's just a direction of business and i think it's um i think it's awesome and uh so let's shift a little bit as we wind down and what you know what's coming for you this year what are i mean you've been doing some cool things some big things i mean so what's what's on the horizon for anova biz this year um well actually tomorrow uh as soon as i'm done here i'm packing my bags and tomorrow i'm headed to thailand to a planning retreat that I'm running with uh, four other businesses. So we're taking a whole bunch of businesses for five days onto a tropical island retreat to do some planning away from the day-to-day grind of everyday business and in a really fun environment. So that's going to be exciting. And this is the prototype for something that we're hoping to do annually. Um, And then in uh, late September at the moment, I haven't set the time yet but in uh, September I'm looking at this trip to the Philippines that I mentioned Um, so that's uh, happening and then you know building around that a lot of the support um, tools that we can provide for that so I'm looking at building some online training and online tools to help people get into the uh, offshoring outsourcing business and and to make it work for them and um, really help them get started. Um, I was thinking, as you were talking about Thailand, I was like, hashtag jealous. (laughs) 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 Um, But that is awesome. And I I think, so is that something that, again, so the best place for people to find out about doing that. And of course, you know, please take pictures and, and I would love to see stuff from your trips and everything. And, um, but if, if people are interested in learning more about that and how you do that is the best place to connect with you on Innovabiz. Yeah, that's probably the best place. So at the moment, as I say, I'm headed off tomorrow, so that's all closed now. But, um, when, um, yeah, we're, one of the things we'll be doing at the, uh, as soon as we've got the event, um, completed we're going to be looking at marketing for next year and getting a 12-month lead time so there there will be information available fairly soon after after the end of may very and exciting i will be yeah i will be posting a lot of photos because one of the things we're doing is we've got kind of a, a non-work non-planning activity at the end of every day and one of the one of the four of us are going to lead an activity each day, and one of the ones I'm going to do is a photography walk. So, so there'll definitely be pictures. That is fantastic. Well, you know, of course, then the marketing brain is like, well, there's some awesome pictures for next year's retreat. You know, I mean, Abs- absolutely, yeah. <laughs> repurpose, <laughs> yeah, just, repurpose. <laughs> I've loaded up the memory cards. I've got remote microphones ready to go. So we're going to be doing videos and everything. That is fantastic. All right. Well, I just, I, I'm really excited and, and just love talking with you again, everything you're doing. And um, I just really appreciate you being here today. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me again, Kim. It's been fun. I really enjoyed this. 
Absolutely. So, all right, guys, you know the drill. Uh, hang on a sec and I will have links for you. You're going to have a special page set up for my listeners. And so I'll have all that for you at the end. As always, thanks for listening and we will catch you next week. All right, guys, again, as always, thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Just a reminder to check out Content Snare. That's contentsnare.com. And you can get 50% off your first two months using the coupon code WPCHICK. Just all caps, W-P-C-H-I-C-K. Almost tripped over that, getting it out of my mouth. All right, guys, have a fabulous day, and I will catch you next week.